everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume Four, Issue One Hundred and Fifty One. Yes, it's Volume Four. We're back. Thanks for your patience while we had a little breather, and uh, we have a whole bunch of new games that we're going to cover over the next well year ultimately but we've uh, we've decided on the next six or seven months worth or so and if you want to play along with the show as i know a few of you do uh, or you just want a general idea of what we're going to be talking about soon we have coming up castle wolfenstein beyond uh, castle wolfenstein and wolfenstein 3d those are the first three wolfenstein games from way back when then it's Gravity Rush. After that, uh, Super Smash Brothers, uh, a, a look at the whole series, really, in one go. Then we return to Silent Hill with that famous sequel, Silent Hill 2. And in the run-up to Christmas, we got some cute treats planned, including Diddy Kong Racing. At the time of listening to this, you should be able to head over to canerince.com uh, to see the full schedule as we always say, people often ask, what what games have you done? What are you doing? It's always there on the website at canerince.com, uh, as is uh, the blog, of course, as well as links to our merchandise store where you can buy fine hosiery. Uh, no, that's trousers, isn't it? <laughs> uh, fine, fine T-shirts. Uh, we also have uh, an increasingly popular Facebook page and a Google Plus thing and a YouTube channel. And also... Uh, we have another podcast now. If you aren't already aware, I'm sure many of you are, we've released a sister podcast to this one, which is entirely uh, dedicated to the music of video games, uh, as we had several enthusiasts on the team, and it's something we'd wanted to do for a long time. We're not the first, and uh, we don't expect to be the last, but we are out there. We had a number one iTunes video games chart hit with Sound of Play, so that's what you want to search for. It's Obviously, it's on the homepage as well, but uh, if you just go to iTunes, it's Sound of Play. As always, for both podcasts now, please subscribe to it uh, and review and rate us on iTunes if you will. Thank you very much. Now joining me, Leon Cox, for this first issue in Volume 4, our fourth year, it's Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Carl Moon. Hey guys. And Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. Hello. And now... Silent Hill, then. Um, this is one of the shows that we didn't keep a tight secret on. It's it's long been a series that we wanted to cover. Um, obviously, we've done a few other series of games, Burnout, and uh, what else we've done? Mario, of course. Um, and there will be more in the future. But Silent Hill was one, um, one of the most requested ones, alongside uh, things like Zelda and Metroid. But we'd recently done a... And Resident Evil, of course. But we've recently done a Mario one, and uh, Resident Evil's quite unwieldy where a silent hill is relatively contained and we 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 shouldn't can pretty much cover all that we want to in the space of uh yeah like half a year or something so um so of course we're going right back to the first game in the series uh the playstation one game and and it is just a playstation one game um you can of course also play it on uh, a vita or ps3 or a ps2 they used to be backwards compatible as well um this game was released first in north america before its native Japan, I'm not sure why, but in January uh, 1999, the Japanese launch was uh, a couple of months later, March the 4th, and of course in Europe we had to wait until August for a slightly inferior, slower version, uh, although it's not such a big deal with a game of this nature that this this was a 50 hertz 
uh, deal. We should issue a spoiler warning at this point. We will be talking about the plot. We won't go through every uh, story beat and uh, nuance, but we will no doubt give plenty of stuff away um, if you've managed to avoid the history of Silent Hill for 15 years. Um, even if you've only seen the film, which we'll talk when we get to about around 2006 uh, in the timeline, we may talk a little about that. Um, that doesn't quite, because it's sort of takes its cues from various games in the series it doesn't quite give everything away about this game so you are duly warned uh our histories with the game let's start with carl did you buy this day one full price or did it come further down the line i definitely got it around its launch um i didn't buy it myself i was only 15 i was at school so um i believe my father actually came home with it Uh, we were both fans of resident evil Resident Evil 2 and obviously before that Alone in the Dark and this was getting ridiculously high praise in previews and how it was a different take on the horror genre and as a a big fan of those horror games I mentioned it was one I was pestering my my dad at saying you know I really want to play this one I really want to play this one and I know that I played it not long after it came out roughly around launch Sean uh, so Hmm. you're in America you're an American uh, see if listeners can spot that. Um, and uh, so you had the chance to play this before anyone else in the world. Or did you? Uh, I did. I didn't buy it. I know I, I went to the rental store, and um, my local rental store, and I just saw it on the... I, I hadn't heard anything about it because I wasn't really that... Like I had, I was playing games, but I wasn't into magazines, so I didn't really know much about it. So I just saw it on the counter, and uh, just the box image was very... It just grabbed my eye as really intriguing, so I uh, picked it up and I rented it for a few days and I took it home and uh, popped it in and immediately kind of laughed it off when I started being attacked by a pterodactyl. Right. Um, so I was like, what fleshy, the hell fleshy is this? Pterodactyl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I, you know, I'd already played Resident Evil by that time, so I was kind of yeah. expecting something like that. And when I was just running around in a foggy town being attacked by dinosaurs i kind of that, that was too young to really want to give it another shot so i just kind of passed it off and um didn't come back to it to my shame until this year actually oh, <laughs> okay. it first for the full time this year yeah but um yeah when it came out i played it at first but i barely gave it a chance so what age were you when you first tried to play it in 1990 i think 17 right yeah it should okay. have been 17 at that point yeah <laughs> Josh, uh, same question. Um, so I I did not play this when it first came out because no. I was nine years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, in fact, I, I've kind of played this series in a bit of a weird order. So mm. I think it was back in uh, 2011, 2012, about around that time where I had one of those uh, periods where I tried to catch up on some... Um, classics that i had missed and uh, one of the big games on that list was silent hill 2 so i played through silent hill 2 which you'll find out my opinion on uh, on a later podcast uh, mm-hmm. but anyway because of what i felt about silent hill 2 i moved on to silent hill 3 which you'll find out my opinion on on a later <laughs> podcast um and then i went all the way back to silent hill 1 after playing silent hill 3 which is a bit weird 
when you consider the narrative of Silent Hill 3 as it connects to Silent Hill 1, um, I'm mm. sure we'll get on to that in, uh, at yeah, a later date. Yeah, we mustn't date. spoil any future games. Yeah, we, uh, I won't spoil, uh, spoil uh, Silent Hill 3, but uh, it, it is a... Uh, th- those those two games are connected in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I uh, so Silent Hill 1 was the the last of the uh the let's say classic silent hills the ones that people considered to be like the the trilogy of games that were made by uh you know the the original team uh, of developers team uh, silent team silent indeed. um hmm. so and yeah um that, that's it really that's my history i i yeah i played it quite recently uh about two years mm. ago uh and in a bit of a weird order that's interesting. Okay, we're going to have some sort of yeah varied experiences here. I bought it at the time, <clears throat> um, probably day one, I think, certainly very close to it. Uh, it was a full price game. Um, yes, as Carl said, it was it was getting great uh, notices. Obviously, it had been out in Japan and America for six months before we got to play it. So people people uh, people had imported it. Um, reporting on its quality, its ability to uh, unsettle and unnerve and disturb. Um, that sounded like the right sort of thing for me. But actually, while I enjoy these games, um, I do. I am somebody who gets very, very tense while playing them. So I don't. Mm. I, I often end up in that situation with um, survivor horror stuff, particularly when it's more of the psychological um, mm-hmm. leaning, where I. I do sometimes struggle to find the right mood to play them. And I think it did take me around about a year and a half before I actually got through Silent Hill. I was playing it in little bits and ended up restarting it. And this is something that's gone along the whole series for me. I've started Silent Hill 2, uh, it must be a dozen times, and I've never finished it. Um, I've owned it on every format it's available on, I think, except PC. Um, every re-release, I've owned it. I've started it over and over again. And, of course, um, doing this series for the podcast is one of the reasons of doing this is entirely um, my own motivation to actually play through the rest of the games in the series. Um, so this is the only one I've finished. I did finish it uh, in, you know, it was probably in, in 2000 in the end. Um, Maybe even two thousand one, and uh, I've recently finished. I finished it again last night, having having played through it again for the podcast. Uh, decided to play it on. A lot of people sort of say, "Well, it's best to play uh, games like this, PS One games, on Vita because at mm-hmm. least it shrinks down and and kind of masks some of the age of those PS One graphics." But I I elected to play it on on my larger screen on on PS Three, which more replicated the experience I would have had playing it on my sort of twenty five inch. Uh, cathode ray tube telly back in <laughs> back in the late 90s early 2000s so um but we'll come on to you know how well or or how well the graphics have or haven't aged uh, in our own opinions later as i say this is a konami game of course um team silent was made up of uh, just 15 people at this point um which i think was a fairly small development team for a, even for, even for then even for a late 2000s period uh, late, sorry late 90s period um sort of high profile konami game director famously is keishiro toyama uh he had previously worked as an artist on uh, a designer on uh, snatcher which mm. we've previously covered on a previous podcast and international track and field the uh, the, the polygonized um, playstation reworking of konami's famous uh, button bashing athletics coin op um, and of course, since Silent Hill, he he moved away and worked on Siren, aka Forbidden Siren, and Gravity Rush, which we're also covering soon on the podcast. 
the producer was one Gozo Kitao, um, also produced Silent Hills 2 and 3 um, before working on Contra Shattered Soldier and Gradius 5 for Konami uh, and uh, and Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots as well. Another game we've previously covered. Uh, Toyama-san wrote it, of course, um, and it was very much a collaboration with the musician Akira Yamaoka, now probably most famous for his work on the Silent Hill series, but uh, interesting looking back at his previous work, which included uh, the uh, SNES game Jelly Boy was it Ness or Sness I forget um, also known as Smart Ball in the US he also worked on a Contra game uh, Contra Hardcore on the Mega Drive um, as well as Sparkster another 16-bit action platformer and the ISS Pro series and Poi Poi 2 which was a, an amusing multiplayer arena thing which uh, time has mostly forgotten and Kensei Sacred Fist uh, and other than that, the uh, programmer, the main programmer, is uh, Akihiro Imamura, who uh, had previously worked on Sexy Parodius, <laughs> which, I, which is uh, which is uh, the famously um, sp- saucy spin-off of Gradius, uh, and also uh, International Track and Field. Um, yeah, and that's really the 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 dry bit, the history over. Um, but I'm more interested now to talk about. Um, sort of where where we think the intentions and inspirations behind the game come from so looking back at, i found one video from uh from the time a, a japanese video that had been translated uh with subtitles sort of explaining um toyama's stance that he wanted to make something which was evocative of american horror mm-hmm. and it's sort of interesting because i think for many of us certainly for me it feels very much like J horror, Japanese yeah. horror. Now, mm. this uh, it, it it didn't escape my attention that this game came out. Obviously, it came out in the wake of Resident Evil, and that that must have been a factor. But it also came out around the same time as things like the original Ring film and Juon mm. and um, Audition, and that particular wave of Japanese horror, which appeared to be sort of fueled by pre millennial angst or possibly recessional angst. And um, Silent Hill, for me, even though it's set in America, um, it's got a uniquely Japanese feel to it, especially in the design of the the horror, you know, the the horrors that you face, the enemies and stuff. But having said that, I think um, I can't remember yeah. when Stephen King's The Mist was a book. Um, obviously, the Frank Darabont film came much later. But in some ways, I think the uh, the Mist is is as uh, kind of influential on this with these kind of fleshy creatures that come out mm. of the fog and, and attack. What do you guys think? I mean, for me, it definitely feels J horror exactly as you as you say, and it, and it's weird because obviously the, the competition that it had was Resident Evil, which was also Japanese developed, but actually felt more American horror in its styling, and yeah. that's what led me towards wanting to play Silent Hill. I enjoyed Resident Evil 1 immensely. Resident Evil 2 I was quite fond of, but by the time that the third one, because the third one obviously came out later on in 1999, Mm. um, I wanted to try a different kind of horror. It seemed that they were going for the same thing, but with obviously the nemesis chasing you. And this was getting its praise that this was leaning on the psychological side of horror, that it was going to test you and push you in ways that aren't just simple jump scares or... um, and that was sort of on the back of Resident Evil going for the very typical kind of jump scares. And I was very much into my magazines. I was subscribing to several PlayStation magazines at the time, and they were 
playing their reports from this game because it was six months later in Europe and it was almost unanimous praise for this different kind of gameplay and that is why I was basically getting at my dad, I want to try this, I want to try this and I was at that age, you know, where you start like, I want to go and check out these really scary horror movies or you want to try something a little different and Mm. I didn't get on with those horror movies Audition is potentially the most frightening thing I've ever seen (laughs) or what I did see of Audition is the most frightening thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, before you turned it off and put it in the freezer. Yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, never to be visited again. And it's really strange because it, like, this game just didn't affect me in that way at all. Mm. It, it never once affected me in the way that those uh, horror movies, those Japanese horror movies that you named, did. And I think that's why... I sort of swing towards... Because there was always this thing, are you in the Resident Evil camp? Are you in the Silent Hill camp? And I've always leaned more towards Silent Hill because I find it a much more playable experience for that reason. It doesn't affect me in a way that stops me from wanting to play the game. I'll progress and I'll be intrigued and the psychological side of it's all brilliant. But at the end of the day, it's not a way that's trying to stop me from playing, and mm. which is how I often get the impression from horror movies, horror stories and horror games is that it'll it'll intentionally push you to the point that you think right that's it that's enough for tonight i'll go back to that tomorrow Mm. this sort of was kind of a mellow horror Mm. uh to the point that replaying it this year there was one scare that i remember distinctly from playing it the first time and it's running through the sewers where you run across the grates and there's one bang as you step on it that is very much louder than the others. Yeah. And as I ran over it this time, I actually had like a wry smile and a chuckle to myself before I carried on and that was the only thing that ever bothered me the first time because it was an unexpected jump scare because this game doesn't really have many of those. Yeah, it's got like three or four and actually that's what I found. Mm-hmm. at the. My experience is quite different in that when I first played this, even though I was much older than you were, um, it really got into my head. Mm-hmm. The, the, it was the combination of the audio and the aesthetic. Um, I did find it in- incredibly creepy and disturbing and, and, uh, and difficult to play. But the jump scares back then didn't bother me so much. But now I think, um, and we, you know, we will talk about how effective, um, I, I, you know, I think that its effectiveness has been punished by its age now as as a scary game um the audio still I, th- I think is still the star but the general sense of creepiness was was never something that put me off playing this mm. time and it didn't really get in my head in the same way it still it still retains a certain atmosphere yeah. but actually it was only the handful of jump scares which ever really got to me this time um just because i'd kind of forgotten they were there mm. um but uh yeah i don't know um it's obviously again horror is such a what affects you what doesn't is such a subjective thing having done a bit of research on on this game i, I kind of discovered that um K- konami basically wanted silent hill to be a resident evil killer uh in mm. early development mm. but uh team silent was actually made up of a bunch of people who had underperformed on <laughs> other projects mm. and after a while um the konami uh konami higher-ups basically gave up on the project <laughs> and because uh the people working on the uh, team silent uh the guys working on the game didn't really know how to make a hollywood style horror movie they kind of just gave up on the concept entirely and while there's lots of western influences stephen king in there it it's they very much injected it with their own kind of um you know japanese style of horror and stuff like that so i think that's why this game ends up feeling like this interesting 
combination of being inspired by western horror movies horror novels and so forth but ultimately the tone feeling very much japanese um like dark souls i think has that as well where it's like inspired by western mythology but ends up still feeling very much japanese like a japanese game Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah the result feels really unique um Mm. i i know um like I, I would say that Silent Hill definitely has a lot of uh, a lot in common with The Mist, and the recent film kind of draws those comparisons even more for me. Mm. I, I can't help but feel like uh, Frank Darabont maybe uh, looked at Silent Hill and thought, "Well, these guys were inspired by the source material. Might as well uh, take some cues yeah, from this." For but, sure, especially if you watch uh, The Mist as it's intended in its black and white version it really feels a lot more like it kind of felt more to me like a silent hill movie than the silent hill movie did in some ways yeah Uh, but ultimately i think the the biggest compliment i can pay silent hill as a game and as a series um is that it does feel like it has its own unique identity as a horror staple like there are comparisons i can make but most of them, like the the Mist film, I, I kind of feel like it's drawing from Silent Hill rather than the other way round. And mm. I, yeah, ultimately because it's such this weird mismatch, you know, combination of Western and and Japanese horror influences, it really f- stands out uh, against the crowd in a way that Resident Evil doesn't. Um, yeah, mm. it, it, it's quite special in in a lot of ways. Yeah, the the one way that I would say it, it definitely retains a Western influence is the actual design of the town, um, or at least a, yeah. an American town. Like it, it I know that um, in the notes here we have a note about Centralia, Pennsylvania, yeah. which, directly uh, inspired by this amazing story yeah. of, of this of this town. I, I was wondering if you'd ever been, yeah, uh, have, on, a, on a pilgrimage. Have, oh, yeah, fantastic! I actually went there. Um, Oh man, seven years ago, and and like I had this whole thing built up in my head, like this place was gonna look just like Silent Hill. It was <laughs> gonna look exact, you know, everything's gonna be all, you know, creepy. And but it, as far as like look of the buildings and everything, it actually is kind of dead on. Like it's just it's a very small town, um, just like little cell phone stores here and there, like a cafe and all this kind of stuff. But it was also like because of the nature you know for those who don't know the history of the city there was a coal mining accident underground where um oh, i can't exactly remember what happened basically the entire city had to evacuate because there was yeah. the, the the everything was coming up underneath through the ground Gases and breaking the street and the, fire, yeah. the fire kept ranging for, de- uh, raging for decades gas. right yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah it's, and, it's an it's a genuinely amazing story yeah. uh, well worth looking at and and it's probably they they get into it more in the christoph gantz movie mm-hmm. than they do actually in the in well certainly in the first game anyway. mm-hmm. Yeah, and, the, and the, the, they had cracks in the road and everything, and you can kind of see a little bit of smoke still coming out from underneath yeah. there. And um, uh, and it was also like there were still like I think three people there who refused to ever move. That's and right. I, yeah, <laughs> I saw one of them like walking out. He's uh, like a million years old and, and coming out of his car, and, and he just actually kind of looked like a Silent Hill character. <laughs> or cra- yeah, it was, But the, uh, anyway, they um, you can tell that they definitely took inspiration from like really small town. American cities just for the architecture yeah yeah absolutely but yes um, I, I did want to talk a little bit I'm so glad you went because um, mm. I'd be I'd be fascinated to go but it really is just a st- there's some there's quite a few people have made um, 
you know pilgrimages there and made videos that mm. are on YouTube. Um, and some people, you know, were lucky enough to get there on a misty day, and, mm. and then it oh, really man. does. It, <laughs> it really does look the part. Yeah. But actually, the the history of the the mining, un, you know, they un, they literally undermined the city. Yeah. <laughs> um, and looking for anthracite coal. Um, and it ended up in yeah in these explosions and raging fires that wouldn't wouldn't stop raging because the gases kept fueling the fires. Mm-hmm. So um, they were found at, like the temperature un- under the you know near the surface under the soil was like seventy degrees centigrade. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah. various people had accidents falling down and being rescued and um, yeah, and like you're not supposed to actually spend any time there because no, yeah, the, 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 roads the are gases are. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of off the map, and anyway, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's yeah, real life ghost town kind of yeah. kind of stuff, even though it isn't. Um, and yeah, I knew nothing about this really until I I looked into it for for this podcast. Mm. Um, the flip side, of course, of uh, Silent Hill is the other world, um, which is where the uh, the environment changes uh, and the mood gets even worse, if possible, from the, the, <laughs> the fairly... I mean, it's odd, isn't it? Because it's not like the, 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 the standard situation in Silent Hill where it's simply incredibly foggy mm. and it's snowing out of season um, and there are, uh, there are sort of fleshless, yeah, pterodactyl-type enemies and, and various uh, clawed mumblers walk in the streets mm. um but when when the darkness uh, really comes in when when the the demons threaten to take over such as it is that's when you see the other world which is uh chain link fences and barbed wire and rusted places and so let's go back to that opening sequence in the first silent mm. hill which i'm sure many of us found uh quite impressive at the time um you you've got the cg opening with the with the yamaoka sort of mandolin piece mm-hmm. um sets the mood nicely uh then you get into it um you you see that you've crashed your car off the road with your daughter in the car you are you are this harry character and every man um and uh yeah and you quickly find yourself thrown into uh this very very foggy environment which is obviously partially foggy for technical reasons because there is no way that the ps1 could kind of do a full 3d open world uh cities in the way that we can now with relative ease um but you soon find yourself chasing down these streets very disoriented which is something you spend most of uh, silent hill feeling i would suggest um and you end up going down this alley and that's where it all starts to kick off. Um, I know Carl and I have talked about this before. I'm sure lots of people remember it. It's, it's uh, aped pretty much uh, completely in the film version. Mm-hmm. The, the, they, they hung a camera in an unusual place that makes an unusual yeah. sweep and pan and rises up. Kind of, um, I know, I mean, Metal Gear Solid had kind of got there first with doing interesting things with polygon graphics and cameras, but this started to take advantage of the fact that they weren't using the pre-rendered backdrops of Resident Evil to actually to to unsettle the player by suddenly cutting to a view that was uh you know yeah up high or looking at you from an angle or something like that and then actually being able to move it around and not just have it as static camera it's as much the music as as much as it's as much the audio as anything and again i think now the graphics looking at as aged as they do it doesn't quite have the same effect but that opening sequence still draws you right in and it still makes me smile, but I think it's as much with nostalgia now as it is with uh, terror. I mean, that opening sequence, particularly from that section through until you get the three keys and enter the house, I would play that section every single year at Halloween 
for about 10 years after its release just because it was so memorable uh, that it just felt it sort of became one of these strange traditions um, because the, the first time I ever entered Silent Hill I was blown away by the fact that I was in a, this believable 3D town which is kind of a ridiculous thing to say because it suffers from the same issues that we discussed on the Deadly Premonition show of roads that are impossibly wide and, and curbs <laughs> that are yeah. that are comically uh, long and and so forth but just in terms of how effective that was on me at 15 years old and coming from the kinds of games that I had been playing I was absolutely mesmerized from that obviously the the hung camera that Leon mentioned which is still pretty magical even now um it's a bit wobblier it, than it, it once looked. It, 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 yes, <laughs> it, it, it's been affected by age, but it's still an impressive feat that, that very few games manage. And, and, you know, camera work in games is something that's often underplayed or almost ignored for the, the most basic form of hanging a camera or now in third person, just simply hanging it, you know, six feet behind your character. And it just, that whole section to begin with, just still works rather wonderfully. The game mm. mechanics are, are, are aging, the graphics are aging, but it's still a completely effective startup to a game. I mean, yeah. uh, speaking as somebody who's only recently completed yeah, yeah. it for the first time, uh, the, the opening's still very effective. I mean, uh, obviously, having played uh, Silent Hill 2 before Silent Hill, it does colour my experience with Silent Hill 1, and, and, and I do kind of feel like... Uh, hey, hey! Spoilers for the next Silent Hill podcast. I do kind of feel like I experienced the better version uh, before this, yeah. and um, yeah. that can't be helped. But st- it's still effective. Um, I mean, it's it's the sound design that carries yeah, it. Yeah. Um, uh, visually, it, it's lost. Um, I mean, well, it hasn't lost potency for me. I, I just it didn't have potency when it I wasn't experienced. Really, I mean, that's it. It wasn't necessarily lauded as one of you know the best looking games at the time yeah, it was yeah. the lighting effects were impressive mm-hmm. with, with the torch and yeah, they were yeah. very proud of that but even then i mean it was late it was relatively late in the ps1 era um we were already looking towards kind of uh, the, you know the dreamcast was about to happen um and yeah the frame rate was was not what it was it, it used a lot of stippling effects rather than colors and and things like but, that but yeah but the the soundtrack and and all the sound effects and stuff create that feeling of the uncanny the you know the uneasiness that you feel when something is familiar but not quite it's just mm-hmm. alien enough to creep you out it, it's a kind of horror that i relish whenever i you know encounter mm-hmm. it um uh, video games are very, very good at the kind of um, more uh, popcorny Hollywood uh, style horror, where it's just the tension and release style horror, which yeah. I, I don't want to poo-poo. That is extremely difficult to accomplish, and when it's done really well, it can be extremely scary and effective. Th- this kind of unsettling horror, um, where it doesn't necessarily just you know scare you completely, like it doesn't freak you out to. The the point where you can't bear to play it but it's I think just for I, some people it definitely did uh, and, okay. and, and does I, mm. I think for me it's just more haunting it, it just like silent hill this it, whole series in fact but 
you know, Silent Hills, uh, this was the game that started it. It's more about, like, setting up camp in your brain and just never leaving. Like, those yeah. sound effects kind of just haunt you for long after you've played it. And mm. um, that opening sequence, um, especially, the, the, the sequence that um, Carl's talking about when you're wandering around the town for the first time, finding those free keys, like... Yeah, it, it does all those sound effects. Like the radio is just a, a genius uh, piece of design um, yeah. because it means that they can't really do jump scares with the monsters, but that's okay because the tension you get yeah. from the early warning is kind of freaky in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh God, there's a horror around the corner that I'm going to have to face that's going to come out of the mist. And that, and that's unsettling in a very different way than the dogs jumping out of the window in Resident Evil is. Um, yeah, um, so I, I still think, um, even in 2014, uh, Silent Hill... Is a is an is effective at creeping creeping people out. I I mm-hmm. still think it works. It's hard to know for me because I didn't, as I say, I really didn't find it terribly uh, scary um, this yeah. time at all. Um, whereas I I did back in the day. Even you know I was relatively aged at, at you know mid twenties when I first played this. Um, so it's hard to know whether it's overexposure with this particular game that I've played it all before and I've seen what happens or whether it is the fact that, you know, so much of it has obviously aged from, you know, just the, the sheer chunkiness and low, re- low resolution of the, of the textures, the wobbliness of the polygons, the voice acting, the animation, the monsters themselves now look kind of comical instead of, yeah. instead of unsettling. Um, and unfortunately for me, it all adds up to the point that it, a lot of the effect is taken away but uh, and if it wasn't for Yamaoka's sound sound design um the the sort of constant threat of of uh, industrial clanking yeah. and uh, discordant stuff i mean and also just the, yeah like I, this game pretty much had me the first time in terms of unsettling me from, from the first air raid siren i i love the fact that um akira has managed to just tap into that um just to like these sounds that are um, are more primal than logical like there's not a real explanation to why they make you feel the way you feel but you know you feel terrible regardless and and that that's something i could say about the entire aesthetic of the game i i think this game and silent hill 2 both really nail the feel of a nightmare just that this kind of inconsistent kind of logic where things kind of bend into each other and not you know like events don't happen in a logical order they just happen because and and you kind of just go with it because it's a nightmare it's a dream and it all seems natural at the time until you think back on it um and the sound really keys into that there's a very um unsettling nightmarish dreamlike quality and and the thing um about silent hill as a series as well is that it can be beautiful like the the horror um uh, the, the 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 freakiness kind of becomes enchanting in a way the the, mm. the visual of the the city shrouded in fog with snowflakes falling alongside the soundtrack at times is you know really beautiful and 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 magical um and then 
I think that actually lends the more horrific moments when the dark world comes in and everything becomes more bloody and metallic and an orange. Everything has a bit of a you know a reddish orange Rusty, tinge to it. Yeah. Um, it. It gives that more weight, whereas um, horror games where they really lean into the tension all the time, mm. um, uh, you kind of get used to it after a while. I, I found that like I love Resident Evil Four, but I think the first third of it is the scariest it ever is, and then mm. after that it kind of becomes an action game, which is an, the- I have no problem with that. Um, I, I love that game, but Silent Hill because there's this pacing to the way um, it unfolds, um, like it shows you beautiful things and then it shows you horrific things. It kind of allows the horrific things to still have resonance, um, even like I know. Uh, I know for you, Leon, the visuals kind of take away from that. But, I mean, playing it for the first time, I kind of still... I mean, I I like to, when I play classic games, I kind of like to imagine how I would have felt at the time. Yeah, of course. And Mm. because I don't think it's really fair to say by today's standards because you're asking a game to, you know live up to the standards of tools that it never had access to yeah um, absolutely so, so um I, I do when i play these games try to get into that mindset and i'm not saying that that means that people who just find the experiences ruined by the visuals are invalid in that viewpoint that's perfectly fine i just i think given the tool sets they had at the time i think it's quite amazing what they've accomplished here yeah, I think for me, like, I totally agree. And obviously, we always take each each game on its own basis. And yeah. I, I think, you know, as we've discussed before, there's there's probably quite a lot of games from earlier than this that have aged visually uh, more kindly because of the, the 2D style they took or whatever, yeah. whether it's char- characterized. Whereas this game was going for some sort of verisimilitude. It's going for some, some kind of realism. It's not even supposed to be a, you know... Um, a sur- I mean, obviously, elements of it are surreal, but the characters are supposed to look like human beings, and now they really don't. They've barely got faces. They've just kind of yeah. got these splodgy m- m- meshes of polygons. Um, they've got, you know, their the weird shapes, and and then you combine that with the the voice acting, which is uh, it's variable. There's a couple of people from the cast who have gone on to actually have careers as as act- uh, actors. Susan Papa, who played Sybil, and Jerry and Monroe, who played Doctor Kaufman. They actually are, you know, they are film and TV actors of of some note, but the mysterious Michael G, who played Harry, um, I mean, it's just it's just a dire. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. Just, um, uh, and you've got a few of those in the game, uh, uh, and the combination, and you've got this sort of clunkily translated um, script as well, and you, you mix it all together. And even though you know, I, I still feel kindly disposed towards the product as a whole. Um, trying to think about it from the point of view of there being all these other alternatives that you can now play even from you know even the second one which we'll talk about in a month's time it's 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 going to be hard for me to actually say you must start with silent hill one because you know because it is this classic because you know the truth is i found it quite difficult to play through this time um ironically i found it much easier as a game in terms of how how often i died and stuff um although one one thing i did find like i well okay start again I was preserving ammo a lot 
this playthrough because I know that it was actually an issue to the point that people got stuck in the. It, it was when that could still happen in the old days. In that yeah. the game didn't generate you some magic ammo if you ran short of ammo, so you might end up in a situation where you could not progress because you had no way of killing uh, an enemy realistically um, without you know sort of giving it three thousand knife hits or something like that. So I was preserving ammo all the way through, and of course I ended the game with like hundreds and hundreds of unused bullets and yeah. and hundreds of unused medic kits um this is playing on normal difficulty um but what i did find was that and i, I both liked and was p- sort of put out by this for the fir- at least two sections in the game i thought that i was on some kind of um optional side quest because it was so obscure and oblique as to what i should be doing that i assumed that it was like you know it was extra stuff for, you, for the player to find but no that's actually how it is you have to just keep wandering the streets until you find the clues and then you have to follow the clues and then you have to work out how to get round the map um where, you know under fairly constant pressure from your radio going off because there's skinless dogs or or you know uh, flying things over your head and you can avoid a lot of them but after a while you know you do want to stop and take stock of your surroundings and then you're into the combat which we'll talk about shortly mm-hmm. um yeah, way, yeah waypointing in this game is 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 really rough like it's it, that's obviously something that's gotten much better over time but i mean there's there are definitely moments where i'd be just like running alongside buildings just randomly hitting x like maybe this is the door i go in maybe this is the door yeah, i go yeah. in like kind of stuff like that which is a there's little no rough. lights there's, there's no, no textures lights. Yeah. difference the yeah. only times yeah. it ever gives you a hint is when the camera angle slightly changes to show you more of this one house that you're or more of this one that's door right. you're supposed to enter or mm. yeah mm. yeah i mean there's certainly no glowing doors or no, head doors yeah. light no in this crumbs. <laughs> yeah no, very little breadcrumbs, certainly no golden arrow. I mean, it's yeah. worth mentioning, this was a relatively early example of a game with no screen furniture. Um, you don't even have a, yeah. you know, oh, wow, you've got, yeah. no, you got no health bar. Um, I thought I guess, about that, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess Resi was like that too, but, you know, this mm. has the same thing. You, you take damage. Um, if you were lucky enough to have a, a DualShock controller back in 99, you would have felt it vibrating yeah. when, uh, when you were low on health. Um, but there were some, you know, there are some enemies in this that can pr- finish you off pretty quickly, especially yeah. bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's quite a lot of menu wrangling as well, going in and out of the menus uh, and the map, especially a lot of uh, opening and closing the map, which isn't instantaneous. It just takes that extra couple of seconds to make it frustrating when you well, when it you keep doing. It certainly took a while for me because the amount of times that the obviously map is on triangle yeah. and your inventory is on Select. sorry, your inventory is on select <laughs> um the amount of times i would do one instead of the other and then i'd realize that you know you're backing out and like you said it takes a couple of extra seconds and then you're going into the other one so i'd try and check the map and i'd be opening my inventory and then I'd, yeah, yeah. you know and vice versa and it starts to become really frustrating and you think it should be coming to you and i think maybe a lot of that is to do with i was replaying it this time through i was doing it on the vita hmm. and it just instinctively you're pressing triangle and select a little bit awkward to get to if you're trying to do it in a hurry and that really started to bother me Mm. uh, and obviously i eventually got used to it but it must have been a good couple of hours before it sort of became natural for me to distinguish between them whereas you know if you're playing on a playstation controller so many games used select uh, that that it was Mm -hmm. just you know straight up left thumb off the d-pad and in and um yeah so in that regard very frustrating (laughs) using those all the time 
Also, I mean, the the controls of of Harry are uh, feel very much of their time as well. And the, I, like, I always, I think I pretty much always controlled him with the D pad, even though I did have an analog yeah. pad, and I, mm-hmm. and I still yeah, do me too. because it feels like it was built around that. Um, but even if you use the analog stick, you still have a run button, so it's not one of those where you know you you push the analog stick to its fullest extent and he'll break into a into a trot. Um, it's yeah, you still it's still either on or off, moving or or not, and then there's a lot of just moving him around in in his tankish way between doors in in uh, in corridors and stuff can feel quite unwieldy. And again, combined combined with things like the fact that the the engine obviously struggles even when you just try to pick items up. Yeah, uh, there's this mm. huge pause when you try to pick up a um a, even you know a health thing, so you don't always know if you've pre- if if you've pressed in the right place and and all this stuff you know is not in it, it, each one of these things is not a big deal, but yeah. It, when you play a game of this age now and ha- that has these issues, it, they do start to weigh heavily on the experience because you know that so many things since have done stuff like this much more, much more, much slicker, much more in a much more contemporary fashion, I suppose. In regards to going back, I think the two things control-wise that struck me the most this time, you know, regardless of the fact that it was technically only really five years since I last went through it. Mm. Um yeah, it must have been around five years ago. And it's that, one, he doesn't have a quick turn. Which no, he's got a step back. I always back, seem but, to remember, and yeah. he has like a, this little hop backwards. Yeah. And, I always, and turning him in a circle can be quite tiresome. Like there are moments in the hospital where you're trying to you enter the elevator and then you end up doing this huge arc round in the <laughs> elevator to get around yeah, to yeah. the switches. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and there are other sections where you'll go up onto a desk and you can clearly see a box of ammunition and yeah. you'll go on it and you go to pick it up and you go, nothing interesting here. <laughs> so you'll move a little bit over to the side. Nothing interesting here. And you're like, yeah, I can see it. It's right there. Pick it up. And it must take, you know, times yeah. three or four goes for you to pick up something that's Sometimes right there. Sometimes there's even two items next right to each, each other, other that you yeah. can interact with yeah and stuff like that yeah um we should yeah we should talk about the combat then now why mm-hmm. not um it was the, the the point of the time was that this was an, an unusual game in the sense that you were your your avatar your protagonist was an everyman he was just a guy who was visiting this town with his daughter in the car so and you end up in this unlikely scenario um this nightmare scenario and he gets out of breath when he runs, and that's cool. It doesn't actually affect anything, but mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? He's not a superhero. This was such an unusual thing at the time. Now I think every character, pretty much in every yeah. game, huffs and puffs if you sprint too much. Um, but also, the, this, there was this idea that he was not an experienced um, shooter at all. Um, he may not have even had a gun at home. Who knows? Um, Civil the Cop gives him a gun. Um, which I don't just think randomly. Is, yeah, I don't think it's, it's not protocol. exactly police protocol. Yeah. No, <laughs> exactly. Just take yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, she, she acted on yeah uh, on instinct. Um, so he ends up with a pistol, and and throughout the game, you end you end up with a selection of uh, firearms and melee weapons. Now, of course, this being a survival horror, you want to uh, learn to use the melee weapons um, as much as possible. Um, now, some weapons you can move and attack at the same time some you can't you have to hold down the r2 button to ready yourself and mash the x button to attack um i noticed this time i went into the extra options menu which i think is hidden under you have to press l1 to change the blood cover color and all that sort of thing yeah um there's an auto aim option 
uh, which improves the experience no end. But I, I bet I bet one of the reasons I found the game harder in, in 99, 2000 was because I would have refused to put that on thinking it was, you know, ah, wussing out, you know, with auto aim. <laughs> but actually, it's the kind of thing you'd have in a game as default now because it it compensates so much for the fact that you're you've got enemies coming at you with no notice out of thick fog mm-hmm. and you've got really a, a ridiculous turning circle. So auto aim, uh, I found, you know, aid, aided things quite a lot and I felt no qualms about using it whatsoever. Now, this is going to be a question I was going to have for you guys because they're not the only developer who has said like, you know, he's an everyman. So of course he's not going to be able to shoot, you know, like we've got that in like mm. mirror's edge even. Um, so do we, believe that or is it just lousy shooting mechanics <laughs> i've never i've never figured out the answer myself like i because it makes sense you know in a way but i don't know if that's just excusing yeah. bad shooting uh, or not. sometimes it's nice to be told something and to just believe it yeah. at first value. <laughs> yeah. and in this case yeah. that's yeah. that's the route that i yeah. go for yeah i mean um the resi i can't even remember really like the early resi games didn't <clears throat> have an auto aim as such either did they though it was very mm-hmm. much but obviously yeah. the it was sort of down medium and then that's it yeah shot. yeah um and you had to sort of rotate to uh, to get the right yeah. line and, and you can do that in silent hill as well but the auto aim does does help things but again you know even even with taking all that into consideration um it's it it i remember it the game being criticised probably more for its combat than for mm. any other aspect, mm. even back in 99, from the fact that the gun, the main gun, the pistol you get, sounds pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of yeah. those guns that goes... <laughs> I mean, going through it now, uh, I've always found that I just ignore the enemies, almost, or, or pretty much every single enemy, point. unless yeah. it's a very narrow platform and one's stuck in front of you, or yeah. it's a boss fight. Other than that, you know, I, I avoid them. You know, you got the the flying pterodactyls yeah. sort of uh, snatcher things. You can you ignore can most z- of those. Zigzag, yeah. Yeah. Um, which sort of lends itself nicely to playing with the D pad because that's your natural movement yeah. anyway. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the melee weapons, awful, awful. Yeah. You can't use them. Yeah, I, um, I I have a slightly different take on it to that because I used the melee so much um, in both of my playthroughs back then and now that that I kind of got used to it but there are there are there are huge issues with it it's not it's not I wouldn't say it was fun but no. I did quite get into using the claw hammer to stoving nurses in you know that was mm-hmm. that was quite good fun but um, yeah but I think that's about halfway through the game when you get uh, the you get the claw hammer and then you get the uh, the fireman's axe not long after and then yeah, you yeah, yeah. weapons that have a bit of range before that you've got a knife oh the knife is to, yeah the knife is <laughs> yeah, ridiculous so yeah. for about half yeah. the game you you can't even start to melee people really because every enemy just gets far too close they've got a longer range than you and they move really erratically yeah i I think um with the more humanoid enemies human i use that word loosely Mm. um (laughs) i found the melee um okay but with the dogs and the flying the pterodactyl creatures like you can't melee them no yeah it was just awful um yeah, and and I think that is something that um, later games kind of improve upon. I, I'm not saying that it it suddenly becomes fun. I think they just design enemies where it's a lot easier to use melee as an option later on. Whereas with mm. this game, your first like the first enemy you encounter is 
you know, the pterodactyl thing. There's yeah. no way you're taking that on with a melee weapon. No, and and no. the dogs, like, their jumping animation, if you miss, that you're dead in seconds, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it, is, it is something that is deeply frustrating about the game, especially in the first half of it. I think later on, as you say, when you get access to more powerful melee weapons, and I, I think ultimately also because the enemies that you're fighting kind of change as well, yeah. um, it, it does become not fun but you know manageable i think they're just uh, about it, it is a, a bit of a bugbear for me <clears throat> i think there are just an, about enough bullets in the game to kill everything if you want to just about um but yeah like yeah. I, I know a friend of mine who played it at the time got stuck on the sybil bennett um possessed mm. boss because he had no bullets left you know there's basically you know i think it is still possible because you will you must unless you've not picked up any melee weapons which you you know you'd be crazy to have got that far without having done that um you must be able to uh, avoid her shots and then melee her but it would it would just be a nightmare um yeah and there are like yeah again if you if you manage to catch a, a fleshy dog uh, on its up jump uh, with a melee weapon it's actually it makes quite a nice squelchy noise and the controller <laughs> rumbles quite nicely and that feels good but generally you can you can get into the most hideous loops in this game where you've got two or three or four enemies attacking you in one time and uh, they'll just take it in turns to break your animation cycle. <laughs> and, um, Especially those that sort of dive on you and push you to the floor. Yeah, yeah. So you've got even yeah. longer before you can kick them off, only for it to happen yeah. a split second as soon as yeah. you stood up. And it's yeah. very slow, and it takes you a very long time to get up. And, yeah, old gaming, um, <laughs> very much so. There's also that enemy in the sewers later on that just hangs down from the ceiling. Where if mm. you stand still, it attacks you from above. Um, and there's nothing you can do about that. And a lot of the weapons you use, you you can't move. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the camera is intentionally positioned in a way that you can't really see. Up, you can yeah. only hear roughly where it is. Yeah, I mean, it's worth it's worth emphasising again, isn't it? As well as the draw distance in uh, in town when when you're in the the real world, such as it is, the visibility in dark places, even with the torch on in the other world is yeah. inches i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. you can't yeah you can see like I mean, two your, feet your biggest enemies in the whole game are the darkness and the fog yeah uh, mm. because you know you're made very much aware of the, an enemy being near you with your radio but you're not made aware of whether to your left right in front or behind um and and that's sort of it, it's one of these things where we've talked about it on other games where concessions have to be made due to hardware or, or, or specific design in scale, and that's what's ended up sort of making the game. Mm. Um, and they've very much worked around that. Obviously, we've got the fog where when you see it now, you sort of see the line of anti-aliasing, yeah, and yeah. it's maybe five feet in front of you, mm. uh, and then it's just like a, a, a real white white mist noise sort of thing where you just can't see anything. And obviously in the darkness, you sort of see the shadows creeping in triangles, which is really weird to watch now. Yeah. Um, Literal but polygons. Yeah, you tend the the sort of the the light indoors could have been extended, but they've intentionally pulled that back. Yeah, to to sort of mimic the mist outdoors, and that, and that that's obviously that now what this game has been famous for because um, you know there's been issues where the, the fog in in like the the HD recollection of the second ones was there was a draw issue in that, mm-hmm. and people were saying suddenly it's not Silent Hill, you know it's. Yeah. And Silent Hill is iconic for its mist and its fog. Um, And that one concession 
that they had to make in terms of hardware as essentially the legacy that that mm-hmm. game lives by. Yeah. Well, I mean, abs- like I, I, I know it's born of a, a technical issue, but I would never change it. Like, yeah. uh, it's just it's so much a part of the identity of the mm. series, and 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 also just part of what makes that like world so uh, creepy and and mysterious is like what lies beyond the you know where I'm standing in the fog, just inches away from me. Um, it, it's what makes uh, the mist such a, an, yeah. an interesting, yeah. um, a, you know, uh, story. Is like the idea that you could just step out into that fog and just die. And 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 Silent Hill and Silent Hill Two both have that. Um, I think late later um, later entries in the series kind of lose that. Um, and I, yeah. I, I, it's been a while since I played Silent Hill Three, but I, I don't believe there's much fog in that game at all, apart from towards the end. Um, but yeah, like it, the fog and and the inability to see inches away from you uh, is so much a part of the identity that um, I'm I'm not bothered, you know, how that came about. It, do, mm. it really doesn't bother me that it came about because they they just couldn't render all of the game at once that that's that doesn't bother me uh, so many things in gaming are born out of accidents i mean it didn't have the same sort of positive effect on Turok dinosaur hunter though over no. there, oh. so yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, of course, another element of uh, every uh, survival horror game worth its salt probably is uh, is the puzzles are the puzzles yeah um, there's uh, we'll talk about a little bit about the story after this, but um, there's a lot of uh, illogical um, <laughs> uh, sort of yeah. <laughs> uh, things that you do in this game there's a lot of, there's a lack of logic in the you know the sort of the video game staple of the fact that there are bullets just lying around both in the normal world and the other world just waiting for you to pick up and what for what other reason would they be there than to shoot enemies with um and similarly, you've got various uh, unlikely puzzles in schools, hospitals, and uh, s- even um, museums and sewers. Does the sewer have any puzzles in? Not so much, maybe. No. Um, but it's your traditional uh, find uh, unlikely key with unlikely symbol on it, uh, <laughs> retrieving it from unlikely place such as birdcage or musical instrument or yeah. wall plaque uh, <laughs> to combine with another key to put in a certain place. And there's a lot of that. And it's interesting, uh, at least three of our um, three-word reviews coming later uh, make reference to different ones of these puzzles. I always remember people... Uh, cursing the, the the piano key puzzle which is a great mm. example I'm, i never had any problems with that one i think the um the zodiac one late in the game and just the the sheer faff of going around and finding five keys in about 10 different rooms yeah. to um to get through the, those final doors i mean you know it's logical progression from a game point of view but you're just thinking who set this up to yeah. be like this <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a real wonderful element to these tenuous puzzles uh, and and it's something that i know myself yourself leon and Sean will have experienced and not so much Josh and that is that in 1999 you didn't just check the internet yeah. <laughs> if you were stuck on a puzzle you waited two months for a magazine yeah. to hopefully have that one clue in yep. um, and now these days obviously you, you experience modern games it's got a puzzle and you you, you know you can do it you try to stick with it for two days and go oh that's it I'm looking on the internet and you've got the, pr- the, uh, the Prima Guides the are out yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Prima Guides and these solutions and stuff and I I can't ever remember having a problem with the Piano Key one because I, when I played through this game I did it with my dad 
we take turns, and I think he solved that one. But the one where there are tenuous uh, poems and mm. stuff, and you're trying to work out this poem, and you think, huh? Mm. And you end up just, um, you, you just sort of mimicking them, just sort of keep going <laughs> until eventually it, it clicks and you can sort of progress. And I, I remember there's, this has one of those turnstile ones where yeah. one wheel on yeah. one side turns yeah. it so many oh, the other way and then yeah. you turn the other one and you've got to open them until it opens the passage. And we've seen that puzzle in numerous other games, but f- still frustrating every single just, time. Yeah, yeah. Just, I just pressed those randomly until I got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I'm going to hold my hands up and say that I, I had to consult a walkthrough uh, yeah. at <laughs> certain points in this game. Um, I mean, I managed the piano key one. Um, uh, it struggled a bit, but I did manage to do it on my own mm. uh, esteem. But the Zodiac one, no, sorry. I just <laughs> I immediately yeah. went online because... It's I, kind of a shame because in a way, like that. actually the one thing I think that is translated quite well is the puzzles, um, yeah. like, mm-hmm. as in the, the text that goes into them. Uh, actually, rather than the, the dialogue, the script, which is... is pretty awful um this the the puzzles actually you know the the translation of the various tablets and scrolls and texts appears to have some sort of atmosphere to it Mm -hmm. similar to the resident evil ones in a way um and having done it myself back at the time i know that there is a much greater sense of achievement and reward and relief having got through these puzzles myself but because i couldn't remember all the solutions and because i was up against the deadline i i looked up a few things mainly on this playthrough to check that i was actually doing the right thing not that i you know couldn't solve it but it was more like am i actually supposed to be doing this yet i mean particularly (laughs) that early section where you're you're just wandering around you know you find a piece of paper at the end of one street which says dog house such and such road (laughs) he's like what okay so you go to that road and then you notice there's a dog house that's got some blood on it and this kind of bizarre it's that, trail it's that thing because you can look in the dog house can't you and he goes nothing to see here and then you <laughs> yeah. have to find that piece of paper that yeah. says dog house when you go back to it, it goes yeah. oh there's a key yeah <laughs> classic yeah. oh man I'm so glad that we're all having this same reaction here because while I was playing it yeah, I was play, like I said I played it for the first time this year a few months ago and I came up across these puzzles and I was like oh man like I I felt stupid <laughs> and like I felt like the last <laughs> like the last generation of game puzzles have made puzzles so much easier you know like it's it's they have, yeah. but yeah, I'm not sure it's that, always a good thing. Yeah, better, yeah. better design, but um, in, ter- in terms of game direction, that's massively improved now. Because, I mean, there are times in Silent Hill where, yeah, Leon's mentioned it, you just don't know where you're going yeah. and you have to yeah. happen upon something. Yeah. And there's a bit where you leave uh, the antiques shop and you have to walk down the street and then suddenly on one of the fences there's a hole and it's dark and you're in the other world yeah. and you've got to go through it. Yeah. And I remembered that for this playthrough because I remember having issues 15 years ago (laughs) finding that hole. Absolutely. That was so annoying that long ago that I remember it now. Um, And that must have... The only reason I would remember that is that must have taken me days to find that. I must have run around so much of Silent Mm -hmm. Hill, the town, before finding a hole. It would drive you mad. I mean, that was normal video game behavior uh, right up until probably the end of that generation. Um, You know, we're going to be going back to the early 80s for some Wolfenstein games soon. And that's, (laughs) you know, very much, you know, you are put into a big maze. Uh, Off you go. Mm -hmm. Find your way out. (laughs) There is is no such thing as signposting. You know, you you just have to either map it on paper or Mm -hmm. have the kind of brain that can do that. And this game, yeah, harks back to that in a way. But as I say, 
playing it at the time, I think it added to the dread. It added to the tension Absolutely, because yeah. you had that constant fear that you might end up in a place that was full of monsters and you, you know, you wouldn't be able to tackle them. And it was, you know, this of course has, uh, you know, notepads that you save in. You don't need typewriter ribbons. Thankfully, they did away with that. You can save as much as you want. Um, but you might be, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour away from your last save and you have no idea where it was yeah. anymore. <laughs> and that's yeah. that adds a lot of tension. I think uh, you were talking about um, ga- games puzzles being better designed and stuff, but I, I think another part of it, the reason why I just immediately thought, no, screw this, I'm consulting a walkthrough, is because... I'm flooded with great games to play. Like, I'm being given great games for free, you know, for God's sake. Um, And I think that's kind of why that that style of puzzle has kind of disappeared, Mm. is because I think designers know they're competing for players' time Time. now. Attention, yeah. You know, I I mean, I I wasn't a huge game player back then, but, like, I, I got the sense that people when they bought a game it was an investment you know in, mm-hmm. in, in in at the time silent hill came out and you wanted to get as much out of the game as you possibly could nowadays i have so many great games to complete that like i, I don't have any time for mediocrity <clears throat> whatsoever and my motivation with that you know consulting the walkthrough was really i've got other games to play like i've got to get through you know all the all these other stuff that's on my backlog and um I just don't think you can get away with that kind of puzzle design anymore. Mm. I just I just think it's a bit cruel to ask that much of a player. Um, that these said, days. a little little game called Dark Souls did quite well with, <laughs> uh, with true. a you similar <laughs> philosophy. Completely destroyed my point by saying that. <laughs> I think maybe there's still an audience for it. But actually, yeah. you know, even back in in when I first played this, um, as I say, I didn't finish it in short order and possibly I can't remember but I possibly had one of those funny little pulp, pulpy paper guidebooks when I finally did go through it that they used to give away on the front mm. of magazines but but I was in my mid-twenties at this point I had disposable income uh, and very few responsibilities so I did have a massive pile of games you know and I, yeah. and I could just chop and change and that is probably one of the reasons why I didn't get through this straight away as well as the general sense of dread and fear that it brought me was like oh, I don't actually know what I need to do next you know <laughs> uh, I'll play something else that I'm good at sort of thing so yeah but yes things have changed and it'll be interesting to see as we go through the through, through the series obviously I, I suspect we'll find that the the quality of the series uh, peaks and troughs with different developers and stuff like that but it'd be interesting to see how, how the philosophy evolves of design over the yeah what um 10 years or so that the silent hill games were coming out maybe more and there's more to come um the plot then uh mm. we won't go through as i say in in granular detail but um it's worth talking about uh, the inspirations again we've already talked about the sort of inspirations for the general overall tone and thing but the actual it's a game with a father-daughter thing obviously years before uh, telltales of walking dead and last of us it's got that it's got that sort of urgency and that uh, it puts you in the role of the paternal protagonist who is uh, seeming supposedly desperate for for uh, to find his uh, daughter who's wandered off in the fog um i say supposedly because again some of the acting and the, perform- the performances <laughs> yeah. and the um the the, the script is, is so poor at conveying this mm-hmm, that yeah. his actions just seem like that of a 
you know somebody with severe learning difficulties rather than <laughs> rather than uh, an every man who just wants to find yeah. his daughter um the fact that they he has these conversations with this cop that he runs into sybil bennett and uh, the nurse and the doctor and uh, the old lady who actually isn't old i worked out she's actually supposed to be 47 dahlia gillespie hmm. um, what <laughs> yeah i know um <laughs> he has these conversations that they never actually address what's going on properly. So, yeah. uh, you know, they, they, they do the what's going on and then they never actually talk about what is actually going on and what it might be. They just have these really oblique, uh, fact, factless conversations, which mm. I know again is a, is a trope of horror and, and a supernatural fiction, but it, it, it gets a bit frustrating at yeah. times when you just think, have this conversation and don't do <laughs> the most stupid thing possible in this yeah. situation, which is to go off on your own. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah, it's it's something that they've improved in this very series too. Like even right on, not to give away anything for the next game, but I think the dialogue and and yeah. story gets gets improved significantly actually with each game. So it's yeah, it's really frustrating in this one though. It's it's it's. Uh, I know they they they've talked about the developers talked about how. They did this on purpose. They say the whole hmm. like leaving it, leaving everything vague and nebulous to, to to inspire players to make up their own kind of hmm. interpretation. But it, it ends up when you're done with this one, it ends up being just kind of silly. Like it's, yeah, it's, uh, I it, I like the Silent Hill more. This one for more for just the atmosphere and everything like that more than just <laughs> totally. actual yeah the, the story or even the characters yeah that was one thing that i really felt about it at the time like i didn't much care about the story yeah. uh, all i needed to know was i'm this guy and i need to get the the girl back you know yeah. <laughs> to get her back safe and the the horror and the atmosphere was at the time so consuming that mm-hmm. the rest of it was just you know and and again we're coming we're going back to a point here where plots in games were generally you know not as sophisticated yeah, not as sure. well written and stuff yeah. and actually looking into it now going back to it now having recently watched the 2006 movie having read into it there's there's stuff going on in this game which doesn't make a lot of sense but it's more obviously inspired by other um, other classic horror fiction, yeah, but it's like demon. they wanted to throw a bit of everything in. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's got it's got it's got devil worship. It's got sort of elements of <laughs> Rosemary's Baby in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- this is a town full of, uh, or you know, there is a cult basically who who want to bring darkness by by invoking the devil. There's a there's an adopted daughter. There's a there's a pedophobic element, which is the you know the fear of uh, a lesser as a as a as a supernatural child creature, which is another thing that you get very much in in a lot of j horror Mm -hmm. um you've got drugs the drugs come into it as well you've got you've got drug addiction and you and so the drug i've never quite got my head around this but this drug actually um is it invokes this state of uh see i'm struggling here (laughs) it's a hallucinogen apparently right yes um but they never really explain it properly um i know that the nurse uh, i forget her name i'm terribly sorry she's an addict uh she's addicted to it but like yeah a a lot of this is you know a lot of these story details are not very well explained and it's Mm. not vague in the way that's good yeah like um (laughs) and and i think I think this area of the game suffers the most for me because of the way I've played the series. Um, like this story is so unfocused, and I, I'm not sure what it wants to be. I mean, I felt very much the same way about the story in Silent Hill as I did about the story in Metal Gear Solid One, in that 
Really? Everything that the game hmm. did, I enjoyed the, so that I could forego what seemed like a very unfocused story. Hmm. Um, and I've grown to like the intention of Metal Gear Solid more than the intention of Silent Hill, uh, which... You know, you go through it now, and it's still a bit of a mess. You know, like like Leon said, there's, there's a lot of everything in here, and not a lot of, you know, you could have removed four out of every five and put some focus on it, and actually come up with a good story because the the, the game had the environment for it, the atmosphere for it, and I think overall, probably the intention for something that was quite there, but it never really got there because it was unable to sort of drive that sole focus um, of one reason for you. You know, you, you've got the like the buddy cop and then you you got the strange old woman and it's so many familiar tropes that it was just dull by the end. You just ended yeah. up ignoring it. I, and I, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm being very dismissive of the medium, but like the story of Silent Hill 1 feels very video gamey. Um, in the yeah, sense that it is sure. just an, an amalgamation of movies that you know the writer saw, uh, whereas mm. um, I, I mean I need to talk. I kind of need to talk about Silent Hill Two <laughs> a little bit because my <laughs> experience with this game is so coloured by the fact that sure, I played yeah. Silent Hill Two first. Silent Hill Two's plot really doesn't feel video gamey. Like it feels really interesting and unique and kind of ahead of its time um and and it was disappointing to go back to this first one and feel like well yes they're gonna create this god creature and and it's gonna be like (laughs) awesome and like spirits combined together and oh there's a baby now and it's like what what is going on like (laughs) you don't know what you're doing and it's really obvious that you don't know what you're doing and i I think it's interesting that carl compares it to metal gear solid now I, i absolutely agree with you that the plot in that series can be messy as all hell at times but I always get the sense that Kojima made exactly what he wanted to make. Yeah. Um, and I never, I'm never not having fun with the plot in Metal Gear Solid, as messy and badly written as it can be. With Silent Hill, I'm just left, this first game, I'm just left confused and, and disappointed mm-hmm. with what could have been. And, and the comparison to Silent Hill 2 kind of exacerbates that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's a bummer because there there are ways to make nonsensical stories still feel you can still be invested in them you know like there's Lynch movies and Yodorowsky movies and stuff like that where you know you can still be enraptured in this story that you're not exactly understanding but of course yeah. but when this game with the acting and the script I think really just kills any kind of yeah investment you would have. That said, of course, there are, uh, as as I've recently found in researching, there are any number of huge, huge fans into this. And maybe sure, they become absolutely. fans through the sequels and through the general mm-hmm. um, the mythos that's now grown up. But they have gone back and kind of retrofitted yeah, the events yeah. of this game into the timeline, which, you know, like I had no idea this game was set in 1983. And I yeah, don't think either. the developers <laughs> probably did at the time, but it, but it is. It's, you can work it out based on events before and after and things that are written in the game. It's actually set 16 years before we played it, um, which makes <laughs> sense with the fashions and the cars and things mm-hmm. like that. But I'd never really, at the time, I just thought, well, it's just present day, isn't it? But stuff like that, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be spelled out. It's, it's, sure. it's fine. But but it's more the the general morass of horror influences um, 
without any any real focus i mean i i like i probably like most of the things it's influenced by but yeah i think perhaps they should have stuck to sort of one theme rather than trying to incorporate all the themes of all the horrors <laughs> yeah um but yeah the uh, i'll be really interested to see because this is as i say this is the only one of the series i've ever finished um i'll be really interested i know a lot about the story of the second one of course um and but and it sounds like just based on what i know about the setup it sounds automatically more kind of intriguing mm-hmm. and affecting um than than the you know fairly standard setup of this which yeah just gets more and more bizarre as it goes on um the boss fights there are some um (laughs) they're kind of of dotted throughout the game and they involve whole shooting i mean that is it they the big monsters appear sometimes uh there's a big there's a big bug. What else is there? There's a big there's the moth, moth, a lizard, yeah, uh, the lizard, yeah. lizard, lizard creature, lizard, um, and yeah, and then there's a demon at the end um, that has been invoked. Um, these are barely boss fights worthy of the name. Um, I suppose yeah. the only intriguing one, in a way, is is Sybil Bennett, who is possessed um, for two reasons. One, I mean, again, it's it's like in terms of gameplay, I'd say it was pretty dire, but it's got it's it's set on a carousel uh, um, sorry on a merry-go-round yeah, carousel, carousel yes an amusement park yeah yeah um which i like and and she kind of you know she cackles and she sits on a horse while it goes around um and as you mentioned earlier if you're going for the better endings and you've brought the right mm. item with you you can actually finish this boss fight by interacting with her rather than shooting her but if you don't and if you don't have the red liquid that that saves her from the parasite um you just end up running away waiting for her to shoot shooting her in the body um she i mean she takes a ridiculous amount of hits for a for a human even if she is possessed um but yeah all all the boss fights just involve kind of backing off and shooting um mm. until the enemy dies and yeah like the moth i think looks okay for a ps1 monster but it's a little bizarre that boss battle though it's like okay i'm fighting a moth yeah, just, on a roof well, it's for like no you, reason it's because you fought it's lava before and it runs off doesn't it, it, it yeah. The, you, yeah but i mean yeah but then you're fighting a lava well, absolutely like, why yeah. am i fighting lava? Yeah. um yeah at least the 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 split face lizard has a reason is that you actually read it as a nursery rhyme mm. and you remember it from your youth and it's a it's a yeah. children's story and that mm. actually makes sense in the the story of silent hill but the other two are a little bit weird no just yeah. arbitrary yeah completely yeah. It's another um, it's another thing that they improve on again in future sequels. Not to keep bringing that point up, but like yeah, 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 they, they 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 incorporate bosses in in definitely the second one and and for further on that feel more meaningful to the story and yeah. to the main character. And this one is just like here's a moth, you fight the moth. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, and uh, yes, as again with many games of the era, um, particularly Japanese developed games, you had uh, an option, uh, the option of pursuing different endings um, if you so desired. I think, I'm sure for for many, many people, they only would have ever seen the the bad or bad Mm -hmm. plus endings, um, just because that's how you would probably play it if you didn't know about the existence of these things, because to get the good ending... Um, you have to go to these particular locations that you probably would have no idea about going to. I mean, yeah. they are they are mentioned, but I, I mean, don't know. I, I mean, the fir- the first time I I played it, I got the bad ending. So yeah. um, 
yeah and and that was even with a walkthrough by my side but you know not <laughs> yeah. not knowing that those things existed i wasn't exactly. looking for them um no. and so the ending was a bit <laughs> anticlimactic to say the least yeah uh, just harry racing going oh, no no just like, <laughs> as everything burns up around him yeah um but yeah um i that is really strange a really strange choice now i i can understand like maybe hiding the extra good ending mm-hmm. like you know oh, no, oh that's yeah really hidden we'll talk about that in a minute yeah but yeah. Uh, <laughs> the fact that it's hard enough just getting the what i would consider like the canon ending yeah like that's yeah. that's a really odd decision it yeah, was all, all too common back in the day, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's it's, yeah, it's mean, something it, it's, that we actually talked about on the Persona show, Josh. Remember, like how yeah, I got yeah, the yeah. I got the the worst ending, and I didn't know that there were other endings, and it totally killed that game. Well, not totally, but like it really hurt my impression of that game because I had spent all this time, you know, getting up to the ending, and then for it to just kind of sweep the rug under you and go like, nope, it's done. Like you're just it, it's a yeah. it's a brutal way to end a game for if you're not aware that there yeah, are better yeah. ways to do it. <laughs> So yes, four endings. Um, the, the the best of which you need to get to go on for the fifth and the, the special ending. So to to get the good plus ending, you have to uh, have got the the aforementioned red liquid, which is the bit I forgot when I uh, did my recent playthrough that ended last night on on Halloween at the time of recording. Um, you have to go to these extra locations: Anne's Bar, um, the Indian Run, and the motel at the particular. Uh, point to um have another interception with kaufman is it i think mm-hmm. yep uh, and then you have to remember to of course use the red liquid to save sybil from her her possession her parasite um rather than just blow her face off then if you got that ending you can play the new game plus which is called new fear <laughs> um i think I don't know if the difficulty is actually harder or not in that. I think it might it be. It is. Yeah. It goes up one. It goes up one. Okay. So if you did it on easy, it goes to normal. Normal goes to hard. Okay. And then you have to find an item uh, which is in a convenience store <laughs> for, for no reason called the Channeling Stone. I gather this item makes a return in other Silent Hills. Um, and then you have to use it in five locations. Uh, how you know to do this? I don't know. Does it give you a clue while you're playing with the channeling stone, or is, do you just have to? No, you look? you have to be in that location, go to your inventory, select it, and use it. Right. Yeah. So there's five different locations, and then if you do that, that's that's when you get the the special special ending. But um, I, I assume the good plus ending is the canon ending, um, or or is or is Sybil dead in the canon version? I don't know. But um, there you have it. Uh, the, the ending for me was. Harry running away in the recent playthrough was Harry running away cradling a baby which Mm. isn't the child he'd gone there to find but there was some reason why you know there's this whole thing to do with the fact that uh, they actually you know um, Cheryl wasn't their biological daughter they found her abandoned by the side of a road instead of taking her to the authorities (laughs) we'll take uh, it (laughs) we'll take it we'll take that probably doesn't belong to anyone Uh, she comes from the same uh, she comes from the same stock as as these freakish people in Silent Hill who want to create a god and she's like the other half of uh, Alessa's soul or something are they twins uh, or it's one of them's a anyway. That's what it, it all goes <laughs> it's mental. It's never fully explained. It's to do with split souls. And yeah, stuff, isn't they're, they're, it? The, they're the, the same person, older. but not. And, That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Um, so that all happens, and then yeah, he ends up with a baby. But uh, I also got the <laughs> um, I also got the goofy. 
um, sort of blooper yeah. reel CG credits <laughs> yeah. at the end. It's quite quite funny. Yeah. What I mean, just again, I know uh, obviously the comedy endings thing uh, starts to come to a head with the next game in the series, and we'll talk all about those because they're they're famous. Um, but yeah, even this one has like a new, you know CG that that. Um, the, the 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 CG team had obviously specifically made just for this this silliness at the end where characters kind of they Wait look the like camera. they're doing bits from the game from the scenes you've already seen but they are like make a silly face or yeah. and then they then they get introduced it's like you see <laughs> Harry get up off his couch and he pulls this sort of smirky face he goes Harry Mason and it's, it's just kind of yeah like an old um, it's one of those it's TV, TV intro sort of thing yeah, yeah like an 80s TV show and I mean the game obviously does have a sense of humour yeah. about it at the end but you're never really made aware of it as you're playing and I remember I the first time I played through it I got the bad plus ending I used the red liquid, but oh, okay. looking at it, I didn't find the vial in the uh, the motel. Right, and then I followed a guide years ago, and I got the good plus ending. Mm. And I thought, well, that's it. There's a there's a there's a good plus and a bad plus, so there's going to be a good minus and a, a, a and a bad minus. And I thought, you know, that's it. And then one day, one of the lads from school said, "Oh yeah, there's a UFO." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get real. <laughs> it was one of those, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then, like, he would say, no, no, I promise you there's a UFO ending. I I, I got it. He goes, I used a guide. And, I, and this is the same, you know, this, you got to remember, these are the same generation of people that thought you could sidestep to wannabe and get Lara Croft naked. So <laughs> you you took everything with a pinch of yeah, salt. Yeah. And um, I sort of brushed it off and then... Obviously, a, a month or so later, there it was in the magazines. You can actually get the UFO ending. I was like, oh, yeah, so you can. I never, ever did it, though. Yeah, um, and it's fair to say that the special ending with UFOs is not canon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although, not given quite. that it's consistent story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Then, yeah. yeah. Well, I will, yeah, I, I don't even want to. does give you the best weapon, though. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing, New Game Plus. You get a, what do you get, a chainsaw and some other stuff? Uh, what? A chainsaw, a rock drill, a katana, a hyper blaster. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, obviously, you've got the channeling stone and the gas can, because you need the gas can to use the chainsaw or the rock drill unless you complete it uh, an, a certain number of times yeah. with a certain rating, because then the game has a rating system in stars. Yep. Yeah, uh, of large stars and little stars. That's right. And I think if you get above eighty points <laughs> out, of, out of a potential hundred, yeah. you no longer need to use the gas can to fuel the rock drill or the uh, chainsaw, and you can only have one of those at a time. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the hyper blaster, you can get it. Yeah, and you can use it in your next fear game. But by default, it has a red low powered beam. If you get eight big stars or more, you get the yellow beam, which is moderate power. But if you get the the ten stars, which is ridiculously difficult yeah. to get you get the full powered red beam and then like to, to get the 100 points you've got to beat the game on normal or hard you've got to beat the game five plus times and make sure you've <laughs> had the good plus ending in that you've got to use up to two saves no more and only one continue oh, <laughs> man. you've got to beat the game in under two hours which is considerably less than the five hours for the uh, Resident Evil rocket launcher which is obviously what it was yeah. in relation to you've got to pick up 150 items plus all the secret items <laughs> which are the ones that I mentioned and you've got to kill a large number of enemies by fighting and shooting but you've got to limit your no aiming shots to minimum because <laughs> it goes on you get points based on the long range shots that you hit and you lose points for the ones that you miss <laughs> well, that's fair enough yeah, you know, <laughs> I think I think I might do that. I haven't got much on, so uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I remember. I, I used to get really frustrated with those, uh, and again, it was a real thing in, um, particularly in Japanese developed games. The 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 um, 
punishing you with your end rating for how many times mm. you've saved. I hate yeah. that. I want to save as much as as I can, and I want to because I have to do other things. You know, I can't just not save for for days on end. Yeah, um, I'm an adult yeah. for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I mean, one other extra that was to unlock was there was actually an alternative opening scene. Oh, really? What uh, what does that entail? Uh, it was unlocked by getting the good ending, and once you watched it, um, you would see Sybil instead of Harry's deceased, deceased wife at the beginning. Uh, carrying the baby and the drawing block from before now reads Kuiga uh, Dinok. What? Why? None of that makes any sense. Okay. Who knows? Yeah, but it's yeah. For some reason, they just put that in as an alternate opening sequence for getting the good ending. There are there are uh, uh, yes, obviously a lot. There's a lot of secrets and Easter eggs. Uh, our correspondent yeah. and and sometime guest Simon Cole uh, wanted to mention the uh, one of his favourite Easter eggs uh, in the school in the first game. You find a register which has three names in it: K. Gordon, L. Ronaldo, and T. Moore, which is a reference to the mighty Sonic Youth. God bless Yamaoka, he says. Um, there's probably plenty more where that came from, I would imagine. Um, and I think, uh, from what I know about the second and from what I've played, I think there's a lot more craziness to come as we go through this series because basically they, they set their stall out with this game, with all that stuff that Carl's just been through, um, <laughs> made a rod for their own backs <laughs> in terms of uh, extra nonsense. Um, yeah, so it's not all demon worship and horror there's laser guns and ufos as well in silent hill and that is, you know that is kind of now part of its legacy isn't it it's yeah. like it's known for its yeah. its silliness it's how do you get the ufo ending so sort of. yeah yeah uh one final thing i wanted to mention before we um moved on to uh listener correspondence is the fact that uh i mentioned earlier of course that uh, as usual in europe we got an inferior version of the game because it, it, it ran slower um fewer frames per second but the other element um, was that we had a censored version. Mm. Yep. Um, they were very queasy uh, over here about the having the grey children in the school. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up with these rather comical little sort of sloth mole bear. Men? Mole men, yeah. Yeah, something. mole men. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm still quite annoyed about it <laughs> because, because I think those monsters aren't at all scary, whereas... Whereas creepy children are always creepy. I really like those funny little squeaky ghosts yeah. that you get in places because they really yeah. set me on edge, even though I know yeah. they can't hurt you. And they make a funny noise. They're like, what are these? What are they here for? <laughs> yeah. And the idea of having nasty sort of grey children walking the corridors of, of a school and having to make your character actually, you know, beat these infantile figures up that's part of the horror that's part of the point of the game and we were denied that in europe due to due to some yeah um i I don't know if it was actually censors who who decided that that we had to make that they had to make the change for the for the certificate they wanted i assume it was it it actually takes away some of the you know it wasn't just uh, an instance of something being horrific or violent. Like the kids being in that school yeah. is so much part of the exactly. the imagery and you know the the artistry the game was trying to go for, and just replacing them with these brown, large clawed mole <laughs> makes men no sense. just makes no sense. Like it has no, and I uh, I believe those guys show up later on in the sewer area. Is it that those yeah. guys? Yeah. yeah. 
And, and there they make sense because you know they're underground, they're underground or what have it. Yeah, they're moles. You know yeah. that, that's their home. But in the school, like, no. you want to have those you know creepy kid monsters. And and I know that they um, they did a bit of censorship with the US version in that the, the the they had to scale them up a bit so the kids were a bit bigger, less childlike. Yeah, uh, mm. which I, that that's a a bit of censorship that I can totally understand. That's fine because you're still not taking away from the artistic vision. Uh, you're just making it a bit more palatable, but yeah. like our our version, that's just a complete. You know, it completely ruins the the scene that they were trying to set. Yeah, it definitely loses a bit of impact, and it goes to show you how far we've come when you consider something like Dead Space Two, where you're actually shooting baby heads. Yeah, in a nursery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't happen now, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's mostly what we thought of Silent Hill, uh, apart from our summaries. But let's hear from some of our wonderful community. Uh, they posted at canarince.com slash forum. You can also email in podcast at canarince.com if you wish. And let's start with Josh and Chase, a nice short one. <laughs> Chase says, I've had the game on my shelf since launch day 1999. Haven't taken the wrapping off yet. See that does make me think of um, of of Joey and friends putting his copy of The Shining in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it might not be it might be that Chase isn't scared just uh, just big backlog. It's fair enough. Robotic Monkey said, "I never finished this game because I'm too much of a scaredy cat. To this day the sound of a detuned radio gives me the creeps." Yeah, you see. <laughs> I think there were we had, we had a few other communications from people who said they they just couldn't finish the game because it was too much my friend uh joe occasional listener probably won't listen to this one but you, you never know he admitted to me you know he's the same age as me um so he was 26 7 when he got this game he could not play it on his own in the house mm. he had to wait until his partner was in um or housemates or whatever um he just found it too intense to, <laughs> to play on his own Ari g says, I first experienced Silent Hill in the June of 99 in the form of a demo that shipped with my main birthday present that year, Metal Gear Solid. I read a couple of reviews in official PlayStation magazine and had read in numerous places about an alternative to Resident Evil being popular with survival horror fans in America and Japan. But having played alone in the dark and Resident Evil a number of times prior, my expectations of this demo were misaligned. I was expecting jump scares, but what I got was more than my 12-year-old brain could handle. A meaningful, dreamlike snippet of story exposition, which felt more meaningful than games in the genre. And a chunk of gameplay taken out of context where you navigated a school with no light but your torch and what seemed like hordes of demon children. The atmosphere, rather than jump shock approach to horror, sold me on the game and I knew that I wanted it but had to wait till Christmas. That was a long six months. I played a lot of Metal Gear Solid to be closer to the developer and Resident Evil to be closer to the genre in that time because that's how 12-year-old me dealt with things. Six months passed. In that time I built up a lot of hype as only a child can. Or a man-child, I'd say. I had expectations of a grand story with a support cast of characters and level design full of abandoned spooky places like schools, hospitals, shops and houses. Come Christmas Day, I immediately rummaged through the presents, scouting for something resembling a PSX case. With more excitement than I can find the words for as an adult man, I tore into the pa that paper like I've never torn into anything since. It was Dino Crisis, <laughs> which I wasn't expecting. I was disappointed. If I'm honest, I was close to tears. I later grew to love Dino Crisis, but this isn't feedback based on Dino Crisis. I reluctantly continued through my presence. I came across another PSX case, shaped parcel, but this box was more akin to the Metal Gear Solid shape than the traditional single disc shape. 
It was Final Fantasy VIII, which I wasn't expecting. At the very end, there was one last present. It was a giant box shape. I opened it. There was a parcel of the right size and shape, and my enthusiasm renewed. I opened it eagerly, and it was Digimon World. <laughs> Despite the six months of waiting, I didn't get Silent Hill. What happened instead is my mum took a look at my interest and got me three games I hadn't asked for based on an assumed understanding of her son. <laughs> She had done a really nice thing and a sweet thing that I did not appreciate at the time and bought me two games I love to this day and one I kind of like as a surprise. And that is the story of the year I founded a lifetime of self-disgust and self-loathing. <laughs> anyway, the Tuesday after Christmas, I sold my old NES to a local collector, something I regret to this day, for too little money and bought Silent Hill from my local, local electronics boutique. And that evening I played for half an hour before getting lost and feeling creeped out by the foggy streets. I didn't play again until much later in the year, and that time I played through to completion, once for each ending. I loved the game, not it was worth selling my NES kind of loved, but loved nonetheless. I continue to buy new entries in the series, I no longer feel sorrow when family members don't buy me them for Christmas, <laughs> and I no longer sell consoles to buy Silent Hill games. Lovely post. Thank you, Ari. Alright, Andy Kurosaki says, I love this game. I bought it day one and couldn't put it down running through fog-shrouded streets with no idea what the hell was going on, and then slipping into the nightmare version of the town, which is where the fun really started. Thanks, Andy. Josh? W2K says, In my depressingly not-so-recent youth, Silent Hill was the game that succeeded in making me feel uncomfortable for the whole playthrough. Now, it was not the first game to create an unnerving atmosphere. Many PC titles had hit the mark before this arrived, but this was my first experience of it happening. No doubt time has been a little harsh to it. The visuals especially will either look gloriously twee or simply a brown, blurry mess. While nostalgia will always provide me with a warmer memory of them than is probably the case, I cannot deny the developer's desired impact was fully realised during my journey in the nightmare town. Because this was the game where atmosphere was king, the initial section where the daughter is missing after the crash takes attention and keeps pushing it further and further, upending in a cacophony of garbled noises, screams and visuals that made me feel both transfixed and horrified as I cowered in the corner, both in real life and in the game itself. And that atmosphere just kept going. Each room was both a place to explore and a place to be scared of. I never knew when the siren was going to start, just that it would start, and whenever I was in the so-called real world, the continued tension of knowing it was only a matter of time, like slow cold fingers on my skin. This was fantastically assisted by the score, a tremendous piece of work that evoked both fear and sorrow in equal measures. I continually checked my inventory, hoarded items and crept slowly through each location wanting the whole thing to end, but also needing to know why this town had become what it now was. That push and that pull is at the heart of what made this great to me. It kept me returning night after night despite my feelings of discomfort, teasing me with possibility of further revelation. Very few video game locations have managed to elicit this reaction in me. Even further Silent Hill titles, bar the second, have not been able to do something this impactful. 
I also think it is why the name still has such resonance. The stories may be mostly forgotten, but the place, the name, and the memories of what happened in it is what evokes a reaction in those that have played it. Thing is, I remember little of the story. I believe it was traditionally a little crazy when the final wrap-up arrived, but for all that desire to drive on, it is a complete blur now. What remains in my head is the town, the change and the sense of dread whenever it started to happen. It is a purely emotional reaction, and that is something the creators should always be proud of. Thank you, Derek. Alex79UK. Ah, Silent Hill, you genius, genuinely spine-chilling, unplayable relic. I first encountered Silent Hill back in the day, fresh off the back of Resident Evil. I always saw it as Konami's answer to the Capcom classic, which, of course, it was really. I didn't play it a great deal, only round a friend's house, and even then it was more watching her play it, but it certainly intrigued me enough to want to play through it myself, which, of course, I never got round to doing until years later. Sort of. I finally purchased my own copy around 2004 for a rather inflated price off eBay and played it on a PS2. I was hooked from the start. That opening few minutes when the air raid sirens start and you go down those blood-soaked back alleys. A genuinely edge-of-the-seat stuff. And even playing it again last night, more of that later, it still absolutely gave me goosebumps. Real-life goosebumps. I actually remember very little of that game after that, but I think I kind of just stopped playing whilst wandering around a school. I definitely solved what I thought at the time was quite a clever puzzle about keys on a piano. I expect someone will jump in here and tell me I'd only ever gotten about an hour into the game. I don't remember why I stopped playing, whether I was not enjoying it enough or more likely something else came along to steal my attention, but I always meant to return to it at some point. I picked the game up again on the PSN sale a couple of weeks ago and I've been really looking forward to replaying it on the Vita in bed. I wish I hadn't. The atmosphere is still there in spades and is every bit as affecting as it was 15 years ago. Unfortunately, after battling with the pre-millennium controls, which have been even more fiddly by playing it on the Vita, I just gave up. Those damn flying demon things killed me about three times in a row, even on easy, and I just hit that home button and swiped the game closed. I was really disappointed. I'd been looking forward to returning to Silent Hill for so long that I don't think it could have ever really matched up to the game I had in my head. Will I ever go back and try again? I'll give it one more shot, maybe on the PS3, just to make sure it wasn't the Vita controls getting in the way, but ultimately I don't think this is a game that can really stand up alongside modern titles, almost exclusively on account of its awful control scheme. And that's where my relationship with Silent Hill begins and ends. I've never really played any of the sequels and genuinely do feel like I've missed out a bit, but some things needed to be enjoyed at the time, I think, and I just never really got round to it. Fair enough. Alex, thank you. Next up, we have Cass. My defining memory of Silent Hill will always be my dad, walking into our bedroom on Christmas Day after we'd received it and asking us what was going on in the game. Oh, this is a playground and there's a basketball hoop there. A dog's head is on the floor. They probably used it as a ball. I shouldn't have got you this game, should I? Probably not. It was a good Christmas. Obviously, the game has flaws today. The tank controls are as old as time. The puzzles are ridiculous and the voice acting is wooden. Obviously, as it's a PS1 game in the 90s. But the characters and story are still impressively solid and hugely disturbing. Alessa, being a young teen, impregnated and then burned alive to serve as a vessel for a dark god. Sybil being parasitised, possessed and forcing you to either cure her or kill her. Kaufman having a role as a drug-smuggling kingpin, keeping the entire town subservient to him. 
and Lisa, poor drug-addled Lisa, who was hopelessly hooked on Kaufman's supply and thus easy to coerce into caring for the comatose, mutilated Alessa. Lisa, who Alessa cared for enough to let her keep her human form and memories in the other world, at least until she figures it out and starts bleeding all over you. In hindsight, I have no idea what my parents were thinking letting me play this game. God bless their ignorance, though. It's proven to be one of the most influential games I ever played. I was 12 years old in 1999, and Silent Hill made a deep impression, shaping my taste in TV, films, literature, even music. I don't dare play it again in the cold light of 2014. I like my nostalgia, and Silent Hill is fine where it is, sat on my mental shelf, very close to the top of the pile, and only just under Silent Hill 2. I think um, Cass obviously had a much better hold on the uh, the machinations of the plot than I ever did there, <laughs> uh, and and uh, does yeah go some way to selling certain elements of it better than the game did. I would suggest. All right, that girl says I first played the original Silent Hill at my cousin's house when I was around fifteen to sixteen years old. We would stay up late at night so that the room would be completely dark except for the TV light, and eat chips and dip while exploring every possible area in that game that we could. Yes, I was scared as I played, but I was also fascinated. The story, the environments, the puzzles, and the characters all had me intrigued, and I didn't want to miss anything. I had only played a few survival horror games up to that point, but there was something more threatening about the enemies in Silent Hill. Sure, you had monsters much like other horror games, but those weren't the only thing to be afraid of. The whole town felt like a danger, a heavy fog that clouded an empty town, the caved-in streets that prevented you from leaving, the sirens that wailed giving you that unsettling warning that things were about to get much starker. Thanks, that girl, a new contributor. First post. Welcome. Josh, okay. wrap up with Todinho's. Todinho says, Obviously my dad only allowed me to play the kid-friendly games, but that never stopped me from sneaking into the room to watch him play the more mature games. And after many failed attempts to keep me from doing that, he eventually allowed me to stay there and watch him play. Silent Hill was an interesting game, though, since it was only played during the day on the weekends, unlike my dad's other games, that he played at night after work. Also, unlike others of my dad's games, Silent Hill was the one game I didn't try to play hidden from him. I just couldn't play for more than a few minutes without freaking out. The fog didn't allow me to see well, leaving me always on the edge. Then the radio would start and I would freeze in a panic trying to figure out what to do and don't even get me started on the dark world. I didn't even try to move there. So I guess if I had to describe Silent Hill in one word, it would be oppressive. At some point, however, my dad got stuck. I don't remember exactly where, but it was pretty far in, I think. And I never finished the game, leaving me really disappointed for some reason. It wasn't like I was really invested in the story. I had no idea of what was going on. The most I got out of it at the time was that a guy was looking for his daughter. But I think I wanted a light at the end of the tunnel for the characters, for them to finally be able to breathe easily after all of that. But my dad wouldn't go back to it, so I decided that one day I would have to. It took a while. I even finished Silent Hill 2 before this, but when I did come back, I had no regrets. And this game still stands for me as one of the reasons why I fell in love with gaming. Lovely. Lovely stuff. Thanks, everybody. And also to our three-word reviewers uh, who tweeted us at Canarince. Alabaster Mage says, Distressing Nightmarescape. Little Big Trouble 
Scary Puzzle Town. Alex Dola, Radio Crackle. Ah! <laughs> Daniel Gomez says, Best Parenting Simulator. Joseph Blythe, That Piano Puzzle. Simon Call, Yamaoka is King. Glenn Watts, Zodiac Puzzle Pain. Hans Danik, ending, what the... ADKM1979 says, totally fogged up. It's a sort of a pun that allows us to keep our non-explicit nature intact. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Now, we must summarise, and it is, of course, the start of a long series, but um, specifically on Silent Hill 1, what did you think of it? What do you think of it? And I suppose, would you recommend people to play it or not? Carl? Uh, Silent Hill... It certainly has a legacy that sort of expands across generations now, and it, and it's with good reason. It all started uh, with the first game in 1999, and it's a game that I was very, very fond of. It's a game that I've recommended countless times over the last 15 years. And going back to it this time for about the first time in five years, it's incredible how cruel those last five years <laughs> appear to have been compared to the first ten mm. Because whilst there are elements of the game I enjoyed, they were certainly stronger in my memory. Um, the, the game does a lot of great things. Uh, the atmosphere is still absolutely wonderful, regardless of the, the, the graphics. The audio is mesmerising. Um, and we all have praised Akira Yamaoka's score on the Silent Hill games. Uh, for me, it's right up there as the best we've ever heard in video gaming. Um, right up there with the likes of Matty O'Donnell's scores in the Halo games. It's sort of that real elite echelon, and it truly shines through uh, in in this game and, of course, the ones after it. But for a 15-year-old game, it's hard to recommend it because... Whilst it is more playable than many of its peers of that era from the PlayStation, it's not as playable as the second. And given that they don't really follow on in the same universe, um, sorry, they follow on in the same universe, but they don't follow on on in the same storyline, it would be very hard to recommend someone picking the first one when they can just go into the second one which has more focus a a tighter story obviously it it looks better it controls better um and it's more widely available uh you know i played this through on the on the vita people buying it digitally would have to play it on the ps3 or the you know if they had a disc-based version which aren't really the cheapest now it's starting to get a bit awkward to play if you really want to start from the start i wouldn't uh, argue against you wanting to do it because the game really does have its highlights throughout the game um, but no just go with the second one really you'll save yourself a lot of grief fair enough uh, yeah I think I echo those sentiments um, I was keen to go back as I say this is the only one of the series despite owning most of the games in the series uh, the Japanese developed ones anyway um, that I have uh, completed I've now completed it twice um, but I don't think I'll be going back for the uh, for the um, the laser gun weapon or whatever it was that <laughs> that the Carl mentioned that you have to jump through any number of hoops for. Um, I think I'm I've probably finished playing Silent Hill One forever now. Um, 
I'm really glad it exists. Uh, I'm glad it happened and created such a legacy. I can't deny the effect it had on me at the time. I remembered for years um, that bit where you're going up the escalator escalator in the um, shopping centre and the image of your daughter obviously in distress comes up on the video screens in the mall. That was really horrible. Um, The first time I left the... tried to leave the room with the telephones in and one of them rang. That properly got me going. And that general uh, much-discussed feeling of total fear and dread and that world that they managed to create that really for some people really gets inside our heads and and makes us feel uneasy that in a way that no amount of you know schlock horror zombies or kind of um monster closet scares can can achieve um but yes it ultimately i feel like even though i've not finished any of the other games in the series i've started silent hill 2 so many times and it and it just felt like everything there was uh improved upon this first game um there are more formats you can play it on um and yeah, it's just likely to be more fun. I might come back in a month's time when we do Silent Hill 2 and say I didn't enjoy it at all. I mean, that that's entirely possible. But right now, I feel like um, it was it was an effort to play all the way through Silent Hill 1 um, in terms of I kept, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to finish it for this podcast, but I kept putting it off. I kept playing anything else because I knew that the actual playing of Silent Hill 1 was the actual moving around shooting finding my way through the fog wasn't an enormous amount of fun so uh it's so I'm yeah I'm with Carl start start the second one maybe if if you haven't played any before but probably don't go back Josh um yeah I I mean I share much the same opinion as uh as you guys um I, I mean playing Silent Hill 1 it was a slightly different experience for me because it was so much coloured by having played Silent Hill 2 and 3. And as Carl says, those games simply are much better to control. Um, I know Silent Hill 2 defaults to the tank controls, but there's an option to change it. So it feels actually much more like a, a modern game. And this game, having to just deal with the tank controls and not having that option felt really horrible at points uh, especially in combat scenarios um yeah i i I just i think it's a great foundation that more impressive things were built upon um it it absolutely lays the seed for experiences in this series and uh, and other series that I absolutely adore. Um, but I can't recommend this game as a get like a timeless classic in the same way that I can recommend Symphony of the Night, which came out at a similar point in time. Um, it's it, but it, if you, but if you're curious from just a uh, a game design history point of view. I still think there's a lot you could take from this game. Um, I I don't think you're going to come away thinking, wow, that was an amazing experience, but I think you're going to come away from it going, wow, I can really see the start of many of the things that I have come to expect from this genre and other games starting from this point. Um, the one thing that has stood the test of time is the sound design and the soundtrack. I mean, Akira Yaramoka's uh, 
sound design and soundtrack is uh, absolutely amazing. Um, uh, it's I, it's not. I think he improves upon it later on, but you know, time hasn't affected his work here in any way. Um, yeah, uh, it, a great history lesson for those who want to experience it, but um, I can't recommend it as a game that uh, stands the test of time or a game that you're going to enjoy now. Yeah, fair enough. Sean, then, to conclude. I think when uh, people like me say that we're Silent Hill fans, we're mostly just talking about 2 and 3. Um, yeah. And, and and really too, but um, <laughs> but I still it's still one of my favorite series, and I think I still appreciate this game maybe a little bit more than you guys because of as Josh said, it just lays that foundation for what was to come. Like if this game didn't happen, we might not have ever had Silent Hill two. And like I said earlier, I agree with you guys. Like the story is pretty bad, and the voice acting is awful. But that sound design, like it's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't say I wouldn't recommend it because of the visuals and the story, because I do recommend you hear that soundtrack and you hear those weird, awful sounds that he's able to make and, and, and yeah. experience some of that atmosphere that the visuals actually, I think, sometimes do still kind of hold up. And um, especially if you're coming at this as, like, I want to experience the the series and not to give away anything, but it does. this one does kind of tie in a little bit to 3. Not that you're really going to care about Harry when you're done <laughs> playing Silent Hill 1, but it will come back at some point later in the series. So I, I would recommend it in that respect. Um, but yeah, I think I feel about, better about it than you guys do, but there's no there's no denying the, the glaring faults and the, the way that time has treated it. So Lovely. Yeah, well, I think we're all united on the audio, if nothing else, so you can mm. certainly check that out. Um, we will be featuring a uh, Music Monday column by a guest, uh, Catatonic Gnarly, a.k.a. John Salmon, um, highlighting some of his favourite music from the series of uh, Yamaoka Sands. Um, and, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we also have our uh, uh, now a video games music dedicated podcast uh, called Sound of Play and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before some Silent Hill tracks appear on there. Until then though, it just remains for me Leon Cox to thank Josh, Carl and Sean and to tell you that next time in issue 152, it's back to the early 80s and the early 90s for our Castle Wolfenstein Origins show. Until then. <laughs>